Thank you, Bernice. Thank you, band, for uh, making the, the switch this morning and for the AV folks uh, jumping in. We even had to, because of change of venue and a couple other changes, had to even change a, a song or two all on the fly. So great job, folks, really pulling that pulling that uh, that off. There was, so there was a lot of duck pedaling going on underneath the surface uh, this, uh, this, this morning. But I also do know that I heard the, the, the cries of joy of the flowers in my garden, the vegetables in your garden that the deer haven't already eaten, um, uh, and also of the farmers and other gardeners throughout the area. So we re- rejoice in uh, the, the rain that brought us to inside together. Um, I'm Drew Smith. I get the privilege of being the pastor here. I want to welcome you as well, those here with us now and those with us online. And uh, uh, glad that we could be here to continue to explore our living hope that we've been doing for this this summer. We've been going through First Peter and really finding how uh, Peter's telling the church in the first century, uh, a day when there was a lot of stuff going on uh, against the, the, the church. They were just a, a small persecuted cult, really, this weird group that, uh, not sure if they're Jewish or not, but they believe some guy rose from the dead, and now they're doing weird, weird things. They faced a lot of persecution and a lot of opposition, and Peter's telling them, this is how you have hope. This is the anchor of your hope, a, a hope that's not a dead hope, but one that is living. And that's what we've been exploring um, this week. Uh, last couple Sundays, I've been asking folks, hey, would you just come share a story of just how Jesus has been your living hope. Um, and it's been funny as I've shared that, as I come up to people to say hello, they sort of turn and run the other way. Uh, I don't take that personally. Uh, I do uh, shower at least every Saturday night. So I don't know. But ask Joe Brooks if he'd come up and share um, his uh, story with us. Just how, what's, what's one way that Jesus has been your living hope? So thank you, Joe, for your willingness to come and share with us. But I eventually caught him. Can y'all hear me? Yes. Okay, it's on. Well, let me go ahead and get started because... I might get the Elvis leg. If y'all see me shaking, that's because I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning. For those who may not know me, my name is Joseph Brooks, of course. Pastor Drew asked me to share a story about experiencing the living hope of Jesus in my life. So I agreed. Last week before the, his sermon, Pastor Drew mentioned that he had talked to someone that has been passed over for a promotion. Well, guess who that person was? If you said me, then you're right on point. You see, this wasn't the first or even the second time this had happened to me. Last Friday, Drew seen me in the fireside room, and he knew something was troubling me. So when I asked, he responded without the knowledge of knowing that his sermon was in many ways connected to my story that that upcoming Sunday. I was in deep thought. I was reflecting on the first time I was passed over a promotion, and during that time, I wasn't a happy camper. But after experiencing this event time after time, I realized that I wasn't responding the way that I did in the past, and that's because I had put my hope in Christ. And I had so much peace. Don't get me wrong, I was disappointed, but like God's word says in Ephesians 4, don't let the sun set on your anger. And I was reminded on a familiar passage in Genesis 4, 6, 7, when God spoke to Cain and asked him, why are you so angry and look so depressed? The next part of that passage really stood out to me, because God also said that sin is at the door, I mean sin is crouching at the door, and it desires you, but you must master over it. 
The bottom line is that God is willing to work in and through you only if you put your hope in him. Thank you. Oh, one more thing. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Helen. <laughs> Thanks, Joe, and uh, congratulations uh, to y'all as, as well. I guess that's the power of having the mic in your hand. <laughs> yeah, our, uh, you know, that, that hope, that living hope that we have in Christ, as we talked about last week and, and also this week, enables us to live in difficult situations but with joy and peace. I mean, even in times when we are rightfully angry, when, when we uh, uh, feel like we have been wronged, even when ways and we are in deep frustration, we can live in the peace of our hope in Jesus. Now, um, in uh, our, our country uh, today, a number of polls over the last six months, um, you, you poll a bunch of uh, Americans and the words that, that come to their mind that describe how they feel are, are fearful or worried. Hopeful is not in the top five of how they feel. And I imagine and that we have good reason for that. There's a lot of stuff going on that really does compete with this idea that we have a living hope that is in Jesus. But because of all that's going around, it can easily get depleted. We can get distracted from that. And, and Peter is going to address that for us, not only that we get we have a hope, which we've been talking about for the last several weeks, but even in the midst of these kind of situations, we're the ones that then get to carry this hope and share it with others. That we as a, as a community, as we live in this hope with one another, that, that we become a, a place where people see and experience that hope in how we interact with one another. This, this kind of living hope, even in the time of chaos, even in the time of anger or frustration, that, that we can still live into the community that God has created us to be. That, that beloved community that is anchored in the hope of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah says a day will come when the lion will lay down with the lamb. That the, the, and, and they will lay down and snuggle. Uh, they will lay down and care for one another. Uh, a day will come when the liberal and the conservative will lay down with one another and snuggle. In, in Jesus. Now I'll let you figure out who the lion and the lamb is. That's uh, for you, you to figure. But that is indeed where we will one day be because of the power of Jesus. And it is even possible today for us to live into that beloved community. And that's what Peter is telling the church then and now. Uh, so our, our passage is in First Peter chapter 3, uh, starting with verse 8. Uh, in your pew Bible, it's 1015, or you can follow along on the screen. But let's let's pray together. Almighty God, again we thank you for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. And we ask now that, that you would speak to us in such a way that our our hope would be even further anchored in you. And that, that you would so empower us that we live that hope and, and share it with others in how we, we treat our friends, how, how we treat our enemies. May it be anchored 
in our hope that's in you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter 3, starting with verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the first thing that Peter tells the, the church there is that God's community comes through empathy, compassion, and service. God's community comes through empathy, compassion, and service. Uh, you'll, you'll see in, in here a couple words like that, that finally all of you have sympathy with each other. Have a tender heart towards one another. And, and I think th- those two words come together in what we call empathy, where, where we're willing to suffer with another. We're willing to enter into the pain and the joy of, of others. The, the word there for, for sympathy is, um, it, it are the two words, with and feeling. You feel with one another. Uh, you, you, you take, you, you get emotionally connected with one another. That, that's what's necessary in a community that's truly going to live into the hope of Jesus together. You're going to be tender-hearted. Your heart's not going to be heart. Your heart is not going to be hard. It's going to be tender. Now, this is fun. Fun little word here. Uh, you know, we think our tenderness is in our heart. You know, our emotions are in our heart. That's where we sort of think they are. Um, well, in, in Peter's day, first century, they didn't think they were in their heart. They thought they were in the bowels. Uh, splogignoi is the Greek word for, for bowels. And then, so this word tenderhearted is you, E-U, splogignoi. And so you means, you know, good, you know, like euphoria, that kind of thing. It's a good thing. So it's a good gut is what they would hear in the first century. And what we know today is actually our emotions are related to our gut, our heart, and our head. Um, but, uh, for us, that means that we have a, a tenderness a willingness to engage in both the pain and the joy of others. Now, um, many of you may have seen uh, this little video. Maybe we were able to work it out to, to, to show. Um, since since we're going to be outside, we weren't going to get to see it. Now we're, we're inside. But Brene Brown, uh, um, a doctorate uh, of psychology and really focusing um, on issues of shame and empathy, shares with us just a little two minutes. Um, now, she's going to describe the difference between sympathy and empathy in our language today. Whereas in uh, first century days, they were one and the same. But you'll, you'll hear the essence of empathy So what is empathy, and why is it very different than sympathy? Empathy fuels connection. Sympathy drives disconnection. Empathy, it's very interesting. Teresa Wiseman is a nursing scholar who studied professions 
very diverse professions where empathy is relevant and came up with four qualities of empathy. Perspective taking, the ability to take the perspective of another person or, or recognize their perspective as their truth. Staying out of judgment, not easy when you enjoy it as much as most of us do. <laughs> recognizing emotion in other people and then communicating that. Empathy is feeling with people. And to me, I always think of empathy as this kind of sacred space when someone's kind of in a deep hole and they shout out from the bottom and they say, I'm stuck, it's dark, I'm overwhelmed. And then we look and we say, hey, I'm down. I know what it's like down here. And you're not alone. Sympathy is, ooh, it's bad, uh uh-huh. Uh, no, you want a sandwich? Um, Empathy is a choice, and it's a vulnerable choice, because in order to connect with you, I have to connect with something in myself that knows that feeling. Rarely, if ever, does an empathic response begin with at least. I had a, yeah. And we do it all the time, because you know what? Someone just shared something with us that's incredibly painful, and we're trying to silver lining it. I don't think that's a verb, but I'm using it as one. We're trying to put the silver lining around it. So John's getting kicked out of school. At least Sarah is an A student. But one of the things we do sometimes in the face of very difficult conversations is we try to make things better. If I share something with you that's very difficult, I'd rather you say, I don't even know what to say right now. I'm just so glad you told me. Because the truth is, rarely can a response make something better. What makes something better is connection. If we're going to be that community of living hope, God's community, then we have to grow and learn to be a community that shares empathy with one another, that we enter into the the pain, we enter into the joy of one another. Um, uh, And that's certainly the way of Jesus. I mean, what we celebrate at Christmas every year is the greatest act of empathy you've ever seen. God, the creator of the universe, coming down in human form, even taking the form of a baby, having to have his diapers changed. The one who, who created food now totally dependent on someone else to feed them. So entered into the fullness of our experience, the, the joys and the pain. It is the way of Jesus to to suffer with and rejoice with one another. With those who are his friends and those who are his enemies. Um, We're also seeing this passage uh, that it's necessary that we we be people of service. uh, And characterized here by the words that Peter uses, we're people of brotherly love and humility. You know, when we have that sense of brotherly love and humility, it means we have a, a radical sense of equality of one another. And we have a commitment to each other to support and help one another in times of need. Uh, I love the, the word for humility here. It means that, that you, you come alongside and support or even you come under and support. 
Uh, the, 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 so humility is not that I think of myself as this terrible, I'm pathetic, I'm a worm. It's not that I think less of myself. It's that I think of myself less. And I take into consideration your needs and concerns as much as I do my own. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. I got to care about what's in your refrigerator as much as I care about what's in mine. I got to care about the education of my children as much as you care about the education of yours. That's what it means to love my neighbor as myself. That's what it means to have this brotherly love and this sense of humility with one another. And, and, and Jesus, we see that in him also. I mean, he was, as we, we, uh, as he's described, he was no respecter of persons. He treated everyone with a radical equality and fullness of love, whether they were for him or against him. I mean, he told us what you've done unto the least of these, the, the ones that the world would say are the lowest on the totem pole, you've done unto me. And we, we see in Jesus' life, man, he, he hung out with the filthy rich and the abject poor. He hung out with those that had government officials with great power, and he hung out with those that had no power whatsoever. This requires you and me as Jesus followers to treat others as Jesus treats you. The same understanding, the same forgiveness that we receive from Jesus, now we give to one another. Now, some of you here, some of you that are online, you may not be a follower of Jesus. Well, I think still, this is still really good direction for life. Uh, The call to to empathy, the call to service, uh, of compassion, of humility. That's still good for life in general. And I invite you to check it out. And as you check it out, see if maybe Jesus knows something about life. and, And how truly to live it in hope and joy. And peace. So I encourage you also to keep keep listening and, and check this and check it out in your own lives. As I encourage us all to apply this in our lives. How what what kind of situation are you in right now that may be calling for your empathy toward another, uh, to to serve another in humility, to to truly listen and enter into their pain, as we heard to listen. But not judge. Yeah, because that's, that's a real quick, easy, natural react, reaction. To listen and not be focused on your own response. Or even your own needs. But to hear and focus on the other. To truly put the spotlight on them. And w- make your goal of the conversation, of the relationship. What do they think and how do they feel? Maybe that's a goal this week. One one conversation, yeah, one step at a time. What's one conversation where you can truly sit with another and find out how they what they think and understand it and relate to how they feel in the moment. And this this can be with folks that you're like, but you know, if you want extra points, do it with somebody that rubs you the wrong way. 
I was really uh, impressed recently. The last several months, you know, the Supreme Court has been in the news a whole lot. Um, and, uh, and it would cause a whole lot of reactions against certain judges, depending on your position, wherever you, you might be sitting. But I didn't, I read some stories recently about different judges who are on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of their philosophical understanding of the, the justice system of the United States. Opposite ends of the spectrum, but they're, they were best friends. The Justice Scalia and, and Justice uh, Ginsburg, who are opposite ends, they're now both deceased, but in their lives, they were best friends. They would hang out with each other. Their families would get together for holidays. And they had the deepest respect for each other because they felt like they were pursuing the same goal of the best for the justice system, but had totally different ideas of how to get there. But they still respected one another. The, the same thing is, is true, um, some with Justice Sotomayor and Justice Thomas. I mean, just recently, uh, um, Justice Sotomayor was out just saying how much she respected um, uh, Judge uh, Thomas. And yet they're on opposite sides of the the spectrum they they're they're practicing what we preach may we practice it as well with one another and with those outside of uh, the community of the church as well now i know this is not easy stuff practicing empathy and serving others is really hard and sometimes you you won't get a response sometimes you'll even get a negative response you, you'll be trying to act in care and you'll get a response that is hurtful. Peter speaks to that. If you want God's community, he says in verse 9, then God's community comes by returning insults with a blessing. And Joe really shared that part of his story that even though he felt wrong, he didn't let the anger and the sense of vengeance take over. Continued to respond in a way that is filled with grace and mercy. But verse verse 9 tells us that there is no place in Jesus' vocabulary for vengeance in our relations with others. Um, I remember I had a t-shirt growing up. said, I don't get mad, I get even. You seen those bumper stickers, that kind of stuff? Yeah, Jesus didn't say that. Matter of fact, there's not, there's not a, a thing that he said or did that even looks like that. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. We do not, as Jesus followers, ever return an insult with an insult. We do not harm because another has hurt us. We do just the opposite, Jesus said. We bless them. Whoa. This is getting advanced now, isn't it? But we bless them. Now, a little side, we've done this the last three Sundays because this is radical teaching of sacrificial love of Jesus. And at times, it's misinterpreted and misunderstood. If, if you're ever in a situation where someone is physically, emotionally, spiritually abusing you or hurting you, it's still your call to not return heart with hurt, but to bless. But to bless someone who is sinning against you is to stand up and say, stop. This is wrong and you should not be doing this anymore. You're actually hurting yourself worse. And we know from the passage that that God judges evil actions. 
So it is, you are blessing someone when you stand up out of love, speaking the truth in love, and tell them what you're doing is against God's desire. What you're doing is against God's commands. What you're doing is destroy, hurting me and destroying yourself. And so whatever it takes to, to stand up and stop those that are hurting you. That is blessing them. So it's not you let them keep going when there is wrong, but you stand up and say this is wrong. But out of a desire for blessing, not hurting them. Now, I mean, we can all relate to that, right? I mean, maybe even a conversation this morning on your way to church that in anger or frustration or pain, you just hurt in response. It's a natural response. It's, it, when we, we get in, in arguments that you know, I can bring up with my, my spouse and my kid, I can bring up past wrongs and just sort of heap those on. Because I've moved to the point of loving to the point of winning. You know, I'm thinking more of myself and my own pain than I am of theirs. It's never a Jesus response to want to hurt or inflict pain on another person to satisfy my own need or desire for self-respect or anger or frustration or pain. And Jesus is the great example of this again. I mean, he, he is the one who came among us because we were sinners, because we disobeyed in order to die for us. He was the one with nails in his hands and in his feet as he was hanging on from the cross, um, having folks yell insults at him over and over, reviling him throughout the time he was there. And he cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. This is the way of, of Jesus, that we love our enemies. I mean, Jesus was just plain and simple weird. We love our enemies. Those that revile us, we seek to bless. I remember um, you know, Dr., uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And uh, he, he faced all kinds of opposition. You know, his house bombed, stabbed, and eventually murdered. Um, but throughout his living days, he continued to lead the church to say, do not respond to hate with hate. Don't let the devil suck you in to hate. Always respond with love. Because our desire here, and he would say that our desire here is the double victory. We, we want to win the pursuit of love and we want to, we want to win our enemy over as a friend. That's the double victory. So never let the hatred of the world around us rob us of that living hope that's in Jesus. So this week, this week, you know, uh, sorry, I preached on this. And that may mean that the Lord might bring a conversation in your path this week where you'll be tempted to respond to, with an insult to an insult. I find, I find that it happens, maybe it's just because you can read it there, but it seems to happen a lot online. Yeah, and so, so maybe you'll be tempted to respond to, with an insult with an insult. Yeah, 
Just check in with Jesus. You know, our living hope for, for God's community says we always re- respond an insult to a blessing. Or if, if you can't do that, then just be quiet. And maybe that's the best thing to do in the moment. And then come back to a blessing. But that's the work of Jesus in us. And, and, and so finally, another thing that Peter says, not only God's, God's community it, it requires us to be pursuing empathy, compassion, and service. It requires us to return insults with a blessing. But God's community comes through a living, vibrant spirituality. A living, vibrant relationship with Jesus. That's why I quote Psalm 34 there at the end. He's saying, hey, listen, you, you want, to, this, this, you desire to love life and to, to see good days. Well, this is what the beloved community is, the way that you do this. And this is what it takes. And this is the way of Jesus. That's why we spend so much time talking about Jesus, reading about Jesus. It's why we have small groups and growth groups where we gather around the word together. And, and again, if you're just... You just happened upon us today. You're really not a Jesus follower. I invite you, encourage you. I mean, go hang out. Read the stories about Jesus. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just hang out with Jesus and just see how radically beautiful his life is. And that as we follow him, what we find is that he's the one that leads to life. Even though it's counterintuitive to maybe what's the natural response of my bowels. It's leads to life. Uh, so I encourage you to, to hang out and go check out with him. We also do a, a, a series. We're in the middle of one right now called Alpha. And it's a small group where we really hang out, look about Jesus, learn about Jesus, and really just open and honest discussion um, with, with one another and invite you to consider Jesus with us because we found he does lead to true community to true love, to a living hope, even in the midst of such chaos, even in the midst of hatred. But for all of us, it's not something we can go now try harder. This is something we got to just tap into Jesus. we got to walk with him. He's got to form us. It's the power of his Holy Spirit within us, continuing to change us. You know, that, that you continue to pray for that sense of humility. Don't worry, God will give you plenty of opportunity to practice. So I've found. Uh, But it doesn't come because we try harder. It comes because of the Spirit at work within us. And that's what we are as a church. We're a community, in in a sense, of a, a place where a greenhouse, where we're trying to grow this kind of living hope. Because we, we want to take this into the world that's desperately in need of a living hope. A hope that knows and that it sees and experiences that hatred does not have the final word. That, that life does indeed rule and love wins. And our, our world's in need of that. And so we, in this greenhouse, for living hope, then go out and share that with, with others and live that. Uh, that I end, end, end with this. Um, this is a, a, a quote from Dr. King um, in 1957 uh, from his article, The Role of the Church in Facing the Nation's Chief Moral Dilemma. It says this, The end, the, the, the purpose is reconciliation. The end, the purpose is redemption. 
The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit, this type of love, that can transform opposers into friends. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in the lives of women and men. This is the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. Let's pray together. Um, and before we do, uh, two uh, things as uh, part of our, our time of prayer. One, I want to welcome Lampstand Presbyterian Church, our youth group that's here with us. They're traveling through. They're in De- on their way back home, Decatur, Illinois. So if they fell asleep during the service, we give them grace for that because they've been a week on a mission trip. They spent the night here in the building. So glad you were with us and uh, welcome. Be sure to pass on uh, blessings when you uh, get home um, and be nice on the car ride. Um, and also, I want to be praying for Cindy Candelaria. Uh, she was supposed to be up here. One of the reasons the songs got changed. But she fell, broke one ankle, and severely injured another her other foot. So she can't um, put weight on either leg. So she's in a wheelchair for right now. Yeah, and they're two weeks away from moving to Pennsylvania. Um, so And they're staying with friends. They're in a hotel for the weekend. But they're working out. Pray for them just these next two weeks and for the stuff that's uh, going on and the timing of these events. But the, the Lord has provided for them today. But keep Cindy, Reuben, um, Julian, and Alina in uh, your prayers. Let's pray. Almighty God, first we do give you thanks for Jesus and that he did practice what he preached and how his love was so overwhelming in the face of hatred and opposition, even at the darkest times. Thank you that we are recipients of that kind of love, that kind of commitment, that, that kind of empathy, humility, that, that kind of blessing in the midst of our evil and sin. Thank you for him. Continue to, Lord, to help us just be overwhelmed and marvel at His love for us. And may that so transform us that we share that same with others. Continue to form us in You. And Lord, we, we thank You uh, for um, those that You've put in um, uh, place around us who help model that for us. Thank You for their modeling. And Lord, uh, we... We take this time and we lift up, particularly as you call us to, uh, those our government officials, whether it's in D.C., whether it's in our state capital, in our cities or counties or municipalities. Lord, we, we pray for each of those you've put in positions of influence and power that they too would practice this, this kind of living, whether they know you or not, whether they know it's from you or not. Lord, lead them to, to empathy, to, to service, to use their position as a way to really lift up all folks and and to lead in the ways of love not in the ways of insults not in the ways that destroy others but in the ways that respect and honor all humans even those they oppose um, and, and gracious God, uh, we gracious God, we also lift up to you, uh, folks. We will give you thanks. One for Jesus University and the week this week with the the ballet camp. Thank you for your blessing through that time. We lift up um, uh, particularly the uh, Lampstand Church as they return home, um, and, and we pray for the mission trip headed to 
to, to London in a couple weeks. Pray you're preparing the way for them even now and for the, the next week of, of swim ministry. Uh, we, we pray your, your blessing and you're, you're using all of those things for your glory and your honor. And that we would be, even in those settings, we'd be an illustration of the living hope that we have in you. All of these things we lift up to you in the powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, Amen.